from the Swiss Alps to the Canadian Rockies, celebrating unique connections between Switzerland and Canada. Brought to you by the Swiss representations in Canada. Imagine your next trip to the bank where you will meet with a robo-advisor instead of a human teller to discuss your mortgage or an insurance quote. Or maybe there will be no trip at all. Your bot will be able to negotiate with its peers, bots at the financial institution, to get you the best possible financial product. In today's edition of our podcast, we're here with Professor Thomas Pushman to take a look at the rapidly evolving financial industry. And maybe we can even take a peek into the future. What will the financial industry look like in the coming years? And finally, we will try to answer the question if our podcast audience will be able to meet Professor Pushman one day on the university campus in British Columbia, Canada. Professor Pushman is one of Switzerland's foremost fintech experts. He is the founder and director of one of the world's first fintech research labs, the Swiss Fintech Innovation Lab at the University of Zurich. He is also the founder and executive director of the Global Center for Sustainable Digital Finance at Stanford University. Professor Pushman serves as an advisor to many strategic Swiss and international initiatives to foster innovation and develop an innovation and startup ecosystem worldwide. When it comes to the digital evolution of the entire financial industry, Thomas Pushman has a hand in it. Welcome to the From the Alps to the Rockies podcast, and we're delighted that you're sharing your expertise with our Canadian audience today. I would like to start with your professional journey and the Swiss FinTech Innovation Lab in Zurich. You have been researching and working at the intersection between technology and business for several decades. How and when did you first become interested in FinTech? Yeah, first, thank you very much, Tamara, for the invitation, um, and thanks for, for having me here. It's a great pleasure um, since I've been uh, uh, in uh, Vancouver last time um, and I really in enjoyed it very much to this discussion there. However, the, the fintech topic dates back a little bit longer than that. Um, so uh, fintech, as you all know, was born basically in the aftermath of the 2008 fi financial crisis. So uh, that was a time when banks and financial in institutions uh, were forced to let stuff go in droves, just as technologies such as blockchain and smartphones uh, were hitting the, the market at that time. So the convergence of these two events basically led to a flood of new financial startups all around the world and led to the what we call to the so-called fintech revolution. And at that time, back, I was uh, working in consulting and, and uh, I saw the opportunity to go back to university and continue my work in re research. So um, uh, that's what I finally did then. And I remember the first times when we uh, went to some Swiss banks and presented them our ideas back then and how blockchain and cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin uh, would become maybe important in the, in the next few years. Remember that was in 2008, 2009, um, and could maybe lead to a reorganization of the entire financial system then. You can, can imagine probably what, what they said back in, in these days, uh, if you can help us to sell more, more products or uh, to better advise our clients and become more efficient in back office, then yes, please, sure. But such a broader reorganization um, and research in new technology was not something they were looking for at that time. On the other hand, um, we saw an entirely new category of financial firms, uh, the fintech startups and also later on the big techs 
that use these innovative technologies to serve clients' needs and optimize back office processes. So that's what excited me at that time. And um, I'm happy to be part of that journey now. How did you come up with the idea of founding the Swiss FinTech Innovation Lab at the University of Zurich? And what are its main areas of activity? The Swiss FinTech Innovation Lab was founded basically in 2015, 2016, so quite some time ago. However, its roots date back to my time when I was a visiting scholar at MIT, which was in 2013 already, so that's 10 years from now. Um, and after having done research in that field for many years, I saw how MIT used its extensive net network to startups uh, and also to corporates to foster innovation there. Uh, it seemed to me that there was an opportunity to develop a center that is specifically dedicated also to fintech, since the financial sector is a very strong element in, in Switzerland, which makes up more than 10% of the GDP, right? During uh, 2014 and 15, when that uh, happened, I could talk to many experts from ac academia, politics, and in, in, in the industry. And after some visits also to abroad in Singapore, the US, and Hong Kong, we organized a, a big workshop back in 2015, uh, where we brought together the entire Swiss community in that emerging field. So in 2016, then we officially launched a lab and co-founded also the as associations with FinTech Innovations um, that presents basically the biggest uh, banks and in insurance companies from, from Switzerland as well. So we had all major stakeholders at the table, which was an important element to really kick it off. And um, we are still proud that we are also among the first ones who found uh, this kind of center at the same time when the MIT center basically also was founded. That was very, very cool. And you also asked about what we are doing there, right? What are the main areas of act activity? So, um, well, the lab basically focuses on, as you can imagine, on research and education. Um, we've done many new courses, both on a masters, but also in executive uh, education. It's also about innovation there very much because uh, uh, we saw that the whole startup ecosystem was just growing. Um, and now if you look at the, at the map from Switzerland, it's uh, like almost four, 400 startups in that field, which is quite a lot for such a small country, right? Uh, so we are conducting research in domains like digital assets, sustainable fintech regulation, and many, many more. So everything that has to do with fintech in a, in a broader sense. Um, and what we also did is uh, to mo motivate students to found their own startups. I think this was also something which was quite new. And uh, I just had the opportunity also uh, a few days ago to uh, talk to one of the people that work in the uh, University of Zurich's Innovation Hub, which we also founded during that time. Uh, which is also kind of an instrument to motivate students and give them a little bit of a capital and network to become your your own uh, startup. So I think that is also something important, which we achieved a lot. So to bring more of this mindset into the university, which is which is great. After founding the Swiss FinTech Innovation Lab in Zurich, you went to North America to Stanford University, where you founded the Global Center for Sustainable Digital Finance, and you're currently an executive director. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role at Stanford? 
Yeah, thank you for that question. Well, as you know, history sometimes repeats. So uh, as the MIT visit, so was the Stanford visit then in 2019-20. I had the opportunity to have a longer stay here for a year. Um, and there was this idea of how technology could be used to promote sustainability in the financial sector. Um, as we saw that um, also in other industries uh, that require novel ways of uh, funding, for example, to accelerate sustainability on a, on a broader scale. Sustainability problems are so complex, so you have to co-create solutions across disciplines. Take the example of carbon off offsetting, for which still no good solution exists um, with all the uh, various fraud cases we had with projects uh, that weren't really carbon ne negative or didn't even exist. So there are currently solutions that are ex explored that rely, for example, on blockchain and decentralized governance uh, by local communities. So combined with uh, data from satellite images, which then shall ensure that rainforest preservation, for example, is really done in a proper way. So uh, you maybe can ensure that in a better conservation with local communities combined with global data, then you can do it with organizations that we may not trust. Um, and I think digital innovation specifically is significantly reshaping the financial sector, pioneering also new avenues for sustainable access, distribution, management of financial resources. Uh, and there is a myriad of, of real-world ap applications in that, uh, others than I'm, the one that I mentioned before, such as uh, digital supply chain finance across ag agricultural, for example, and fashion value chains. Uh, so there is so much more here that can be done. These potentials opened our eyes, and the idea for the center was then born at the same time. Uh, when Stanford uh, had its plans for the new School of Sustainability. That's basically, uh, and by the, by the way, also the first new school uh, in, the in the last 75 years that was founded alongside School of Engineering, School of Medicine, and so on. Uh, so this is a very big under undertaking here. Um, and this new school, which we are connected to with the center, draws together all areas of scholarship uh, uh, that are together needed really to understand what is happening. So this was a perfect match. Um, and uh, although COVID then came around in 2020 and it required us to extend our plans uh, since many activities were then uh, stuck during that time. But then finally, on May 26th this year, we finally launched the center at Stanford as a collaborative effort between Stanford, the University of Zurich, and also KAIST in South, South Korea. And we're very happy to have that uh, also backed up by the uh, GIZ, which is one of the biggest uh, development organizations in the world uh, based in Germany. So I think since then, uh, this whole journey started. And um, yeah, it requires me also to travel a little bit forth and back between the two countries, but that is fine. You have taught at the University of Zurich, have been a visiting scholar at MIT and Stanford, have done research at the universities of St. Gallen and Leipzig. And now finally, you are an adjunct professor at the University of the Fraser Valley in Canada. Do you find that European and North American students are different in the way they approach the learning process and in their level of curiosity about financial innovation? 
So I think one of the major advantages that you have, especially in North America, for example, is that it's very open to the world. So uh, these countries like Canada and also the US, they invite people from all over the world to really innovate here. However, there is one major, I would say, cultural difference that is worth noting. Um, in Europe, we tend to very often cri critically question things more often than this is done here in North America. On the other hand, North Americans tend to more often try things out just before critically evaluating them, right? Uh, I still remember that uh, poster that hang on the wall in the school where my kids went to during our stay here at Stanford in 2019. And uh, it, it, it had like 10 rules uh, for every everyday school life. Uh, and the first one was you can fail. And the second one was, but you never give up, right? <laughs> so it's kind of that uh, a cultural difference. But our, both approaches have pros and cons, I would say. If we would be able, and that's what we also want to uh, accomplish by our new center, is to bridge these two approaches and to come up with kind of a best of both worlds approach, right? I think both is uh, necessary. You have to explore new fields very quickly. On the other hand, you also have to question things uh, more than we did in the past. And I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, both uh, cultural uh, things will help us here. Now turn into the Canadian chapter of your professional journey. You visited British Columbia for the first time in February 2022. Could you tell our listeners what brought you to Canada at this time? Yeah, well, the original visit uh, has its roots already back in 2017. And that's when I met Andreas Rufer, who was the former Consulate General of Switzerland in Hong Kong. And then in uh, July 2021, Andreas approached me about this potential collaboration with the University of the Fraser Valley. And together with uh, Chris Schinkes then from the university, we saw a great opportunity to bring together our idea of sustainability and fintech in a geographic region that strongly relies on its uh, environment, uh, especially in also in agricultural and, uh, and farming. So there is a lot of potential here in terms of insurtech, for example, for the region. Um, and that's what we are currently exploring. Together with Chris, uh, we are working in three major areas here. So first one is capacity building and involving faculty in a new academic incubator that's how we call it there um, and uh, the second one is also on, on grant applications to set up this uh, incubator here and third uh, also faculty and student mentorship uh, in relation to the development of this incubator so it's very much centered around how this uh, new setup and emerging role of the University of the Fraser Valley in its region. Do you see the advantages of having a fintech lab in Abbotsford as opposed to, say, downtown Vancouver? Yeah, I think especially if you take into account those uh, uh, special demands of the region uh, that I mentioned already, like the uh, farming and the agricultural footprint that it has, I think from that perspective, it's very important here. Um, and that's also in line what we are planning here with the University of the Fraser Valley. Uh, so currently, as we work on this topic and get it from the ground, however, such initiatives cannot be uh, taken from the ground within a few weeks, right? So there will rather be a long-term partnership here 
for example, as a first step now, we need to bring together the relevant stakeholders that are really from that region and uh, discuss the needs of them, uh, of the institutions and also from the communities there. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that one. What are your plans in terms of your future continuing engagement with the University of the Fraser Valley? I think it will be spe specifically centered around this incubator um, and yeah. also the innovation ecosystem there so that we can develop this um, and positioning the university in this uh, greater context uh, with this new role also providing services back uh, to the community there. I think that is the long-term the long -term goal here. What are the common trends and differences in the development of the fintech industry in Switzerland and North America, Canada, and the USA? Do you see potential in sharing knowledge and best practices between the two regions? Yeah, so North America, and um, if you uh, uh, put that also in a broader context, uh, is still the strongest driver of innovation in sustainable fintech. Um, we had just a recent analysis uh, of global startups in that field that were 531 startups, more precisely, we identified in this ex exercise. And Almost 20% of them are in the US, I must say, uh, followed by the UK uh, with more than 16%, Germany uh, with almost 12%, and Switzerland ranked fourth with more than 11%. Canada has like a little bit more than 2%, is still also in the, in the stronger field. Um, so they are all very good represented in this uh, sector. Uh, the interesting message here is uh, from the analysis which from, from these countries, which make around one third of all the startups, if you uh, count together with Switzerland, the US and Canada, that it shows really the relevance of this emerging sector among the, the fintech startups more in general. And we think that this leading role also opens an avenue for further knowledge sharing and research among these countries. Um, for example, Europe has been strong in settling the regulatory agenda within their ESG framework. Uh, and on the other hand, North America has leading its way in AI developments, for example, which provides huge potentials for automated reporting, the data analysis, insurance analysis, and things like that. So I think this is a, a huge potential here. So bringing together, again, these both worlds, can provide really good opportunities here. There are reports that uh, Canadian fintech investment has shrunk in the first half of 2023. Do you see this as a global trend and should we be concerned that the fintech industry will stagnate? It's, it's true that the numbers have indeed uh, been decreasing over the past year. However, um, it seems to me that it is kind of a normal cycle, right? Um, if you compare it uh, to the cycles in the 80s or then uh, in the internet uh, bubble that was in the late 90s and then also after the financial crisis, when I talk to the VC uh, community here, the venture capital community, then they say it's not that bad as these three former ones were. Um, so there is still capital around uh, for uh, startups to be raised. 
I think that's just a normal trend that we can see uh, if mm -hmm. the economy cools down a little bit because of the interest rates that are ri rising. So it's a little bit harder to uh, get capital, but however, it's still possible if you are in the right topics like AI, for example, now or sustainability or also. So I think it's not that bad. Speaking about AI, how do you see key technological innovations impacting traditional financial institutions in Europe and North America? Should we expect technology completely replace human financial advisors and bank tailors, or we should expect friendly collaboration? Well, the tone in this discussion has shifted between banking without banks. Um, there was this quote by Bill Gates uh, around three decades ago, banking is necessary, banks are not. However, uh, this has shifted uh, between the two comments over, over the years. So what we can learn from, from history is that even though technology has offered automation, Larry, many areas like farming, for example, uh, back office operations and so on, uh, humans have always managed to find new opportunities here. But it's true that we have seen over the past century or so uh, that uh, so-called blue-collar back-office automation is now taking place. Also, in those client-related activities enabled by chatbots and other AI-driven solutions, which is then called the so-called white-collar revolution. Um, and I think it will lead to fundamental changes, um, but the effects of which we can only roughly estimate now it is also surprising that uh, the whole digital technology field um, has grown really quickly. The effects of that uh, might take a little bit longer because we humans adapt not so fast as the technology. As both Canada and Switzerland, two highly technologically industrialized countries, are committed to tackling climate change, where do you see the role of sustainable finance in the transition to a less carbon-intensive economy? Yeah, I think sustainable finance, and especially the uh, topic that we touch upon with sustainable digital finance, so connected to technology, has brought implications uh, for the global economy, supporting the development of sustainable infrastructure uh, and businesses, promoting more equitable and inclusive economic growth, enhancing efficiency and effectiveness uh, also of capital allocation, it is poised to play a, a, a critical role in achieving the sustainable development goals, the so-called SDGs, by unlocking significant benefits, I think, such as uh, digitalizing payments in developing countries, for example, uh, redirecting uh, capitals um, through improved information leading to sustainable consumption and decisions. So it touches basically everything from the traditional ec economy, the so-called real ec economy, uh, but also the, the financial sector itself and uh, from the capital markets to become greener and more sustainable, uh, but also enabling, for example, that's a big discussion currently also with the global south and the, uh, uh, the global north, uh, how that can happen, right? So I think enabling innovation in the countries where it's really most needed is the right way to, to go here. And here, sustainable finance and sustainable digital finance can really help to empower people as they all have the smartphones around. Uh, so you have the technology with the, with the people directly. You only need to enable these platforms. And there is a big discussion now with the G20 that just released a report about this uh, so-called uh, DPIs, digital public in infrastructures. 
So it means basically that each country has its public transportation, for example, it has airports, it has streets, it has all the uh, energy infrastructure in place. Uh, um, and this report also highlighted many of these new things that are currently emerging, like the digital identities, for example, digital payment infrastructures also in the developing countries. Um, so there are a lot of things that are not in place yet. And I think this is one of the key areas where sustainable finance and digital finance specifically can really contribute here. As someone with a deep interest and expertise in sustainability and sustainable finance, what recommendation would you give to our listeners in terms of simple ways to reduce daily carbon footprint? Yeah, well, as a consumer, we often have uh, no transparency about uh, our behavior, about the impact of our behavior. So here again, uh, fintech, for example, can help to promote a pro more sustainable lifestyle. For example, there are developments underway that um, some startups uh, that analyze our payments, for example, and pro provide you with a snapshot of your carbon em emission footprint according to your spendings. So if you frequently book flights, for example, uh, then the system won't provide you with good carbon emission numbers, probably. Um, such transparency will also help consumers, uh, but it won't, of course, solve the challenge of carbon emission reduction. Uh, but it at least opens your eyes because many say, well, I don't do that much and my carbon emission footprint is not that bad. But however, if you really see um, how you behave and what you are doing in, in your everyday life, sometimes it's really eye opening. Thank you for your words of wisdom. It's especially valuable to hear them from someone with such a deep interest and expertise in sustainability and sustainable finance. We hope to see you soon on campus in Abbotsford, and we wish you a successful launch of the University of the Fraser Valley's FinTech Innovation Lab that will bring positive change to the communities of Canada West and beyond.